All right, we are back. Two ducks on a boat. And uh, we've been gone for a little while, and it's been the summer. I guess you may say we've taken a little bit of a break. Uh, I'm, with, I'm with Dave. Dave, a lot, a lot of busy, busy activity going on. Yeah, we we jammed that uh, that trip in, and uh, summer's gotten a little bit uh, hectic. So it's we've we've uh, taken a little bit of a break. Last time we were here, we were telling everyone about our fishing trip, yeah. and uh, and we did it. And we did it, and it was um, it was actually uh, very nice, in spite of uh, kind of landing at the time when we had a trivergent you know, uh, storm, low pressure come in. So the fishing wasn't absolutely spectacular, but I think it could be. Yeah. Um, I, I'm i with you. I thought it was, uh, the lake was spectacular. Yeah, pristine. Let's give a little plug to the lake. K-Lake. K-Lake. But that's that's kind of the the um, nickname of it. It's, it's, I think it's an Indian name. Yes. It's in South... Western Ontario, right across the line from Minnesota, and then we flew about a forty-five half hour, forty-five minutes. About forty-five minutes, yep. And then uh, once we got in there, there was no way in or out except uh, by by the boat plane. What, what I liked about it was when we when we got uh, the boat pilot, nice guy, did a great job, landed it smooth, smooth, and uh, pulled up to the dock. We got out, and uh, he was taken off because he went down to the lake and he had to fly back because he fly into the wind. He did a flyby. I thought that was pretty cool. He, I, he came by you know, like like 20 feet from us with the uh, you know the airplane tilted and just went right by us. And our outfitter was the uh, Nestor Falls Outfitting Group uh, in uh, Cave Lake out of Nestor Falls. And it was a real nice family. Did a great job. Everything was top shelf. And we're going to give them some kudos because they treated us like gold. All the equipment was good. The boats were really great. The boats motor started spectacular boats. The only the only piece we didn't bring up was, uh, and that was you know partly our fault was no nets, no fishing nets. We did we didn't take nets, and I don't know whether they thought uh, we were so experienced we didn't need a net or whether they thought we had them with us tucked away in a bag, but yeah, uh, on a plane that, that would have been handy. But uh, we we'll, we'll get to that in a few minutes here about some of the stuff that we could not land without a net. So uh, I'm going to play some little venues here from uh, these are these are live snippets from uh, on the boat on the lake or in the cabin. Right. Yeah, okay. I'm just going to play these yeah. and then. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about what's going on each one of these days, and hopefully after we're done, um, all of you that are listening to us will say, we want to do a trip like that, and I hope you do, because uh, they're they're pretty cool. Um, I'm going to go ahead, and I'm going to, I'm going to tee up our first, our first snippet right now. Well, hello, listening audience. We are in Canada. And it is the morning of one of our daily excursions to go fishing. I'm with uh, two of my best fishing friends of all times, David and Kevin, your other doc on the boat. Say hello, Dave. Hello. And uh, it is an absolutely pristine day. I'm looking out over the water right now. Uh, the sun is up, the sky is perfect, the water's got a nice ripple, uh, there's a breeze, 
Down here where the breeze is, there's hardly a bug to be found. Not a mosquito bothering me. Uh, looks like Kevin and his son Joey are getting geared up for an excursion. I anticipate uh, they'll have quite a day. We're at a lake, uh, oh, I don't know, about an hour south of Kenora, Ontario. Species in the lake are uh, mainly smallmouth. Secondarily, there are some lake trout, which we know nothing about, and, um, and muskies. Muskies being known as the fish of a thousand casts for a reason. Cast a thousand times and you catch one. Not incredibly rewarding. So, we're going to get the boat ready, take off, and uh, Dave and I will be back and talk a little bit more here in a bit. And we'll tell you a little bit about what we're up to. All right, Dave. Uh, remember that first day when we were getting ready to go? Yeah, everybody was getting all their poles out and their gearing, kind of their gearing up um, with the rods and reels and fishing line and getting an idea where we want to head out to. It was definitely pristine looking out over the water, wasn't it? Oh, the the water was unbelievable. You could see 12, 15 feet down. Uh, you could see the fish. Uh, it was it was just clear. It wasn't a, a lake that is was a um, um, kind of a tea stained lake. Some of those lakes up there are somewhat stained. So uh, this was nice and clear. If you listen, if you listen closely, you may hear the loons. We we had some we had some loons come in every now and then. Yeah, you can hear them. Aren't they beautiful? They they were there, and they uh, they they certainly are an added enjoyment to the experience. And uh, it's anticipation at this point because uh, we don't know what's out there. And uh, we had a uh, nice group of people. We had four boats, eight guys, um, myself, and you. Go ahead and tell us about your clan. Uh, I had um, um, Jake, my son, and then uh, Kurt, my son-in-law, uh, up. In, uh, so that was three of us. And Kevin had uh, his two boys, Tyler and Joey, and a friend of uh, Tyler's, Andrew, who, uh, by the way, Andrew is a physician. Uh, he's a hospitalist uh, down in uh, South Carolina. And uh, he goes on these trips with us uh, up into Canada in uh Interesting fella. Yeah, he doesn't seem like he's the most experienced fisherman we've ever met, but I'll tell you what, he sure has a good time, and it was a pleasure to have him with us. Yeah. Um, the group was wonderful. The the uh, the young fellas, they uh, they were hardy. I mean, they didn't uh, they didn't back down from anything. They got themselves ready, and ran their own boats, and all their stuff. We didn't have to do anything, and they went out there and they got after it. Yeah, it's not like when uh, our boys were in their early teens where we had to do everything. Um, we call them boys, but, you know, they're grown men. But, uh, yeah, they they, uh, they got at it. Just to give you a flavor, just to give you a flavor, uh, those of you listening, what we've got going on, these are, I believe, 16 or 17-foot Lund aluminum boats. We've got uh, about 10 horsepower motors on the back. Yeah, 9.9 nine, uh, Yamaha four-strokes. Uh, everybody's got uh, two or three rods, 
couple spinning rods. Uh, you and I carry bait casters and uh, bait boxes filled with just about any kind of artificial lure you can think of, all the way from rubber to uh, plugs to yeah, floaters, top surface, everything, stick baits, yeah. And so uh, the other key to this experience is having a map and knowing where you are on the lake because it's a pretty good-sized lake. Yeah, you, you could get lost. You get lost. I have to admit, it's not my strong suit knowing where we are all the time because I'm typically running the boat, so I'm watching for rocks and whatnot, and I kind of lose track of where we are. Thank thank goodness you were there, and, and you seemed to do a pretty good job of figuring out the map and knowing where we were. And the uh, younger fellas had some electronics with them, which was kind of cool. Yeah, Tyler, he had uh, his GPS on his watch and... I think even his phone, he took his phone out there, I, but I, I don't know if he got reception on the phone. I think I think he pretty much had the lake mapped out, and it, that is just a real plus to know where you are because uh, yeah. we had good weather, and we didn't have to worry about finding our way back, but if things turned on us, we would definitely uh, want to find our way home without any delays. Uh, let me see what the next snippet is. So... Uh here we are. We're in Canada. We're fishing. You might be able to hear the motor in the background kind of rumbling. Dave's up in front of the boat, casting, retrieving. And uh, I'm putting another lure on. This is a monotonous experience for those of you who've never done it. Sometimes, sometimes you get out here and you do this and you can't put the lure back in the water fast enough that there's another fish. And other times, you have to go into your tackle box, and you got to be creative and find something that, uh, well, quite frankly, that the fish finds interesting and, and they want to hit. And there's a bit of a technique to it in terms of trying to find something that resembles the kind of bait fish that's native to where they live, and that is even a little more of a delicacy than maybe they're used to. Now, yesterday I had a moment where I had a lure in my box that I would say it was 25 years old. It was purchased at a fairly non-sportsmanlike venue. Yeah, probably big lots for about 39 cents because maybe when I bought it I had no money or maybe I was having just a weak moment of stupidity. But either way, I bought it carried it around for years and years and years, never tried it, and uh, never caught anything if I ever did try it. So yesterday, in complete frustration, I put it on, casted it. The minute it hit the water, the fish broke out of the water, over top of the lure, came back, hit the lure, and locked on. I fought the fish, good-sized fish, probably the biggest fish I've caught on this trip. Bought the fish for a good little while until I, since I didn't have a net, because this company that we're with actually kind of, well, let me down a little bit, didn't give us landing nets. Um, I thought I had to wear it out, and uh, in the process of wearing it out, it, it jerked its head and I lost it. And uh, yeah, that's fishing. I mean, that's going to happen. You know, and uh, is it disappointing? Sure. 
but uh, you know, you don't spend a lot of time thinking about it. You get up another day and go at it. And that's what we did. So uh, I'll get back to you in a little while. Um, Dave and I are going to do some casting and some retrieving. See if we can get something going here, and if we get a fish, I'll come back on and we'll talk about it. That reminds me, Rusty, of the time we were up in um, uh, Macoke, up on the uh, Albany, and we pulled along the edge of a big rock, and we pulled out a lot of stupid old lures. Like you could take a tin can with a hook on it and throw it out and you'd catch a walleye. It was unbelievable, the ridiculous lures that the fish were jumping out after. Well, that one was ridiculous. If you remember, it was blue, yellow with a propeller on it, which uh, I'm not sure what fish that resembles. Zombie lure. And that was a beautiful fish, too. And if we'd had a landing net, it would have been a lot of, a lot of fun to pull it in the boat and look at it. But... Uh, well, that's that's what we say. That's fishing, you know. I mean, it's like uh, I don't know how to land a fish that's got a bunch of teeth in its mouth um, without a net. So that's a that's a tricky that's a little tricky maneuver. But uh, we certainly uh, we certainly threw a lot of lures that day. And uh, here's another little little snippet of where we went from there. All right, uh, sitting in a boat, getting ready to. Uh cruise over to this little rock pile to see if there's any fish. You know, it's an interesting thing, fishing. Um, you know, we got the gear, you throw everything at them, you know, traditional lead head, white lead head, Mr. Twister, you got the Rapala stick baits, floaters, uh, jig baits, spinners, rooster tails, whatever, the du jour. Uh, throwing everything at them. And, uh, this lake is such a pristine lake, you can see down about uh, 10, 12 feet, you see these schools of three, four, five pound bass, they look at your lure and they say, no thanks. Um, so it's a bit, a bit of a challenge. If any of you really hardcore fishermen out there would like to give us some advice, please email us uh, at uh, email, Rusty, what's the email? Two docks on a boat, number two, docks on a boat, dot com. And uh, give us a little advice. Now, sure, okay, yeah, we, we can, uh, we got a guy that can put you to sleep and draw you from the bowels of death back to life. You got a nail stuck to your hand. Uh, you got cracked in the head with a healthy hammer. You did a sew up job. We can do that. But today, uh, for whatever reason, uh, pretty far up north, having a bit of a challenge with fishing. Uh, just want to give a shout out though. I've been using a uh, Cabela's rod uh, and a Cabela's uh, prodigal or protege reel, big casting reel. Nice rod and reel. They do a nice job. I like Cabela's stuff, uh, and uh, but it's not uh, really bringing home the fish. So we're sitting here in front of this rock island, and ironically, there's like two seagulls sitting on this rock. And, uh, I mean, we're, we're pretty far up north. Can't figure out why the seagulls would be out here. But, um, yeah, it's been good so far. No major catastrophes. And I ain't pulling hooks out of anybody's hands. Um, 
we 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 did break a few rods. A couple of the boys, and I call them boys. There are there are sons. Um, Dan uh, Russ's boy unfortunately couldn't be here, or his daughter Elise. She's up in Alaska. And uh, yeah, uh, my son and my son-in-law uh, nephews uh, are here. Yeah, they're all in their 30s, early 30s, but we call them boys. But because uh, uh, they're still goofy. They, they, go, they do goofy stuff. Uh, yeah, Russ says they're good lads, but they do goofy stuff. They were hauling across the lake the other day, and they hadn't hit a submerged rock, and three of them jettisoned forward and snapped a bunch of rods, and they wonder why the rods broke. So I, you know, uh, you know, what, what are you going to do? I mean, you, uh, tape a map to their forehead and say, watch out for rocks, or I don't know. Um, yeah, Andrew Buchan, a uh, little shout out to uh, his dad and mom. Dad, uh, retired uh, podiatrist. Uh, Andrew went into medicine. He's, in, he's a hospitalist down in uh, North Carolina, I believe. South Carolina. South Carolina, corrected, South Carolina. And, uh, oh, Rusty got a fish on. So this is a play-by-play. -play. So he's using an ultralight reel with four pound test because he feels like he's in a Pope's pay palm but no he's he's up here in Alaska and he's used, and we caught muskie and we've caught some pretty good sized smallmouth and uh I, I, what were you what were you catching that was, was there any structure around or you just like goofing okay well it's good his rod's gone up and down he's reeling it in more than likely he'll probably lose it because we don't have any nets <laughs> Uh, so, but that looks, uh, that's a nice, uh, nice eating smallmouth. It's, com it's coming up. It's going to break some water here. Uh, how you doing, Rusty? I'm good. I'm just worried about my knot flipping because I haven't been really good at it. Yeah, I mean, here's a guy that can, you know, do finesse work and stick, can stick a, stick a tube down your throat with no problem, but he can't tie a knot for some reason. <laughs> So, not a bad fish. Yeah, not a bad fish. If we were on that, on that setup, I'll tell you, it was fun. When, when uh, oh, there you go. Yeah, if we were out here in the in the wild uh, bush by ourselves, we'd probably eat pretty good with oh, these I'd fish. Eat that. I'd eat that. Yeah, Russ said he'd eat that. But I have so, but it's it's a beautiful lake. I mean, it's it's absolutely pristine. You know, good good weather. The the there's clouds in the sky, but it's blue sky in be, in between and. Wind's blowing a little bit. Tell the uh, listeners, Dave, I got that on a, a white lead head with a white tail. A, a white lead head with a white uh, Mr. Twister tail, which is kind of the du jour bait for Canada. If you had to put anything in your backpack uh, besides a car battery, um, you know, I would use a uh, I would use a, a lead head, white lead head with a white jig, and maybe uh, a stick bait, and that's about it. That's, that's all you need. Uh, you should be able to catch some fish. Yeah, you can have just a just an ultralight or a four-piece four rod stuff in your backpack and that and your. Uh, yeah, we, you know, we we did get a fish finder from uh, Dan Heastan, uh, another anesthesiologist extraordinaire, does a good job uh, with anesthesia. He'll put you down and bring you back to life. Uh, he goes fishing a lot. He's a good fisherman, and uh, let let us borrow his uh, fish finder, 
his hummingbird, but when we got here, the battery was dead, so we ended up bootlegging the thing into the, the car, car battery. It's hummingbird. hummingbird. It's a hummingbird. Uh, shout out to Hummingbird. They have a nice product. See a lot of fish. They don't come in the boat, but we do see them on the screen. So it's uh, it's it, it, it's a good product, but the battery was dead, so we ended up uh, finding some wire in the bush, uh, bootlegging some wire into the back of the uh, fish finder on a 12-volt car battery that was in this boat for the bilge pump, and it's working pretty good. So uh, I got 9.9 four-stroke nine, uh, Yamaha in the back of a 16-foot Lund, a uh, little small motor for that for this boat, but it, it's working all right. And uh, that's about it. Uh, we'll come back. Well, as you as you listen to us out there in the water, you hear a little interference in the background. I just want you to know that's the wind. The wind blew pretty nicely. Yeah, the yeah. entire time we were there, it uh, nice breeze kept the mosquitoes off. Yeah, it is. It's a uh, it's a pleasure to have a little wind and. Actually, it makes the fishing a little bit better if we can get a little movement or we can do a little drifting around instead of uh, sitting in a dead calm. Um, yeah, we we did have some amateurs uh, breaking rods. And uh, when we went up and started getting equipment ready, I believe you said to me, why are you bringing so many rods? Right, right. Well, you know, I the crystal ball, right? But you got to expect one or two rods getting snapped and not by, you know, trying to catch a fish. It's somebody steps on them or walks with them through a doorway or they happen to hit a rock going 20 miles an hour and everybody flies forward. The boat goes crazy. Everybody lands on the pole. Snap, snap, snap. Okay. How many do you think we broke this year? Three? I think there's three. Three yeah. broken. Yeah. yeah. I think that's going to be my uh, new target excess number for the future. Just, just add three. Just group plus three. All right, let's see what else we got here on the live broadcast. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to give you a little bit of an update on our day today. Uh, pretty slow, pretty slow fishing. Uh, fishing will do that. I'll have to say, you can hear the water in the background. The, I mean, the sky is pristine. The uh, air air temperature is nice. I mean, it's not hot. Uh, nice breeze. Surface of the water is 71 degrees, according to our depth finder. Um, but slow, slow. Fishing's like that. I just picked up two off of a hump in the middle of the lake where they're is so much white on it from the seagulls pooping on it that it looks like it's been painted. And I went over there and with a white jig head and a white tail picked up uh, picked up a couple little ones. Nothing to mount on the wall, but certainly if uh, if I was out here on my own and I was hungry, I'd eat them. But this is uh, about 12:48, middle of the day. Not known to be a good time to be fishing. For those of you that don't fish that are just tuning in listening to us, uh, midday midday can be bad for fishing. A couple theories there. 
One is the sun is directly overhead, not creating no shadows in the lake. And sometimes the fish like the shadows because it makes them see depth or kind of kind of like they don't like to be in the sun they don't like to cook they like to be in the colder water so a little little overcast and shadowy is actually nice um, and the bait fish are kind of gone in the middle of the day so they're not feeding quite as much so to your typical best fishing is in the morning and in the evening so we're not completely perplexed that uh, things are slow here at, at the midday uh, we're doing what you do on a fishing trip, which is uh, talk about what we're going to do next. And uh, Dave is up front in the boat. He kind of looks at the map, tries to get a feeling about wind direction, depth, uh, structure. A lot of these outfitters will mark the map with some of the places they find to be quote-unquote hot spots. Sometimes they're hot, sometimes they're not. Uh, <laughs> Dave's gesturing right now to me that uh, hot spot is a relative term that needs to be taken in quotes. So uh, I'm enjoying podcasting from out on the water. I, I hope to splice together three or four sessions of him and I talking. Uh, and... Uh, then we'll get it kind of pulled together, and then when we get back to the studio, uh, the dock, the two docks on a boat studio, uh, we'll do a kind of a finale wrap-up of the trip, and then I plan to get it out within the next, oh, I don't know, week or ten days after we get home. I'm going to give the mic to Dave. Um, we just want to keep you abreast of our thoughts. He may talk about some of our discussions today about planning for next year. Thank you, Rusty. Uh, just putting our rods away. We're getting ready to move. We're going to go to this uh, other section of the lake that has uh, quote-unquote bass and musky um, available at your uh, leisure. Uh, yeah, normally we'd be broadcasting from the uh, studio along the uh, great banks of the Olentangy River. Um, but uh, here we are in the great north and uh, looking for the uh, proverbial bass, uh, smallmouth bass, musky lake trout. My nephew caught a nice lake trout the other day and of course we don't have any nets here so it's been a bit of a challenge and uh, my son the only way to get in a boat was he reached down with both arms and picked it up and threw it in the boat and I, it was probably a 15-pound lake trout. Um, very, very tasty. We had fish fry last night with Russ's famous uh, beer batter fish uh, batter. Uh, that was good, along with some potatoes. And uh, so it was, it was a good meal. So you know, I'm just sitting here thinking uh, a little, little medicine. We had a conversation this morning about. You know, surgery and issues and complications, whether it's anesthesia, general, neuro. Of course, that's not really my world. My world is, you know, down the street to the outhouse where I see the uh, 
construction guys, the occupational guys who get crushed by a 4,500-pound bundle of rod or drive a nail through their hand or dislocate their shoulder because they're hanging on a hilty hammer and twist their arm. And Winds out of the west, fishing is best. Supposedly, the old saying is, winds out of the west, fishing be is best, as uh, Russ put it, but uh, I don't know. It's it's pretty, the, the lake is, I'm sitting here looking around, it's, it's absolutely pristine. It's, it's, I mean, you could dunk your head in the water and drink it. It's so clear and clean, nice breeze. You got pines along, you know, spruce trees along the edge, rock shelf, rock ledges. Some downed trees, cypress trees in the water. Good, great structure. Uh, and then, of course, you get to the, you, you get to 10, 12, 15 feet. You can see the fish. You see the bloody fish. And they're swimming all over the place. I mean, if you had a, if you had a stick of dynamite. I mean, you, you could probably, you know, land about, I don't know, thousand fish. But uh, we're being a bit challenged here with our artificial, artificial bait. We did try. Uh, Try live bait, but they only last a day, two days. So, and lake trout—they're deep; they're 60 feet down, and we don't do much trolling for them. Um, I think the, the occasional smaller lake trouts will go up to the edge and feed, and but uh, it's 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 been an interesting trip. Uh, good accommodations. Um, the outfitters are, are very friendly, very nice, very very accommodating. Uh, about the only thing we can recommend is um, a net, fishing net. Uh, you know, you got guys coming from the states who pack most of their gear through the plane, and we don't carry fishing nets. So that would be that would be my suggestion. But outside of that, you know, we started looking at other places maybe to go next year and. Same outfit or different lake that has uh, smallmouth bass. Um, they have pike and walleye. A couple different uh, species there. To each has their own du jour for fishing. Uh, so you know, walleye with a white lead head and a twister and jig and somewhat light tackle. I mean, you use a spinning rod. Um, bass a little more. Heavier pike, heavier using maybe bait caster, stick bait, Impala, or even some top water. But yeah, we're looking at maybe uh, checking out that. Um, I like coming up here to Canada, and it's just it's uh, just a very, particularly these fly-ins. I mean, the lake has no pressure. We're the only people on the lake, and it's a huge lake. So I don't know. It's. Uh, interesting dynamics here but it's been a good trip so far and enjoyed being out here so uh, I'll check back in in a few minutes we'll maybe talk about some correlation between uh, bass fishing and uh, fungating mass hanging out somebody's back in and how you have to bovey those out and it's a bit of a mess but uh, yeah so um, We'll see what happens. I'm out. All right, Dave. Talk a little bit about knot tying. What's the uh, what's the party line on this I, knot tying and knot slipping? I, I I don't know the names of the knots. Okay, but I've always 
you know, you run it through the eyelet of the lure. You do five, six turns, run it back through the eyelet, in through the opening where you were wrapping the uh, line, and then pull it tight. I, well, I think the I think the pundits call that a trialing knot. Oh, okay. I did not know that. Now, I learned that knot from my grandmother. Grandmother, okay. She taught me that very knot. Now, she obviously didn't know the word trialing, but that's the knot she taught me. But I do have it slip. Yeah. What do you what, what do you do? What kind of knot do you use? No, I have the trialing knot slip sometimes. I want to know why. Oh, I I I don't know. I I can't answer that. Maybe the you know, it's polypropylene line or something it just pulls through but well my backup knot for my plugs because i don't want them to slip is the palomar yeah you like the palomar don't i i, I can't tie a palomar you don't like that I, I don't know what you're what you're doing over there in the front of the boat just kind of goofing with the lure yeah i wonder for some reason i like it because it doesn't seem i don't lose anything very i did lose one this year on the palomar however so apparently no knot is perfect and i guess these guys that are doing it professionally are a lot smarter than we are because I never see them lose one. Well, I, I tell you what, I, I did break a little bit of a cardinal rule. Um, I was using a um, a stick bait. It was a floater stick bait. And it was probably, I don't know, five, six inches long, uh, three trebles on it. And uh, and I was just killing it, catching some, some okay smallmouth, but just one right after another. And... Rule of thumb, after you catch four, five, six fish, you need to retie your your, uh, your plug, your lure. You mentioned this, yes. Because they braid the end of that line, and if you don't retie it, you know, you cut off like, you know, foot and then retie, it's gonna, you're going to lose it. And I lost it. My, my, my one lure that I was just hitting hard with it, I lost it. And what's crazy is, is right after I lost it, that little booger of a fish, it jumped out of the water, and probably because it was trying to shake the lure loose, um, I saw it hanging in its mouth. It's gone. Dave, let me ask a question to you here. We're talking a lot about fishing. What do you think about the person that uh, may be listening to our podcast or watching a television show, and they say... Uh, well, I'd love to go fishing like that, but don't know anything about it. Don't know anything about it because I've, I've got like a fungating mass hanging well, out the Well, they, they, you know, they're living in the suburbs and watching television, but they've never had the experience. What would you tell somebody that wants to come out and try this for the first time? Um, yeah, you're going to have to do a little bit of research and, you know, get to an outfitter that's, that, um, that can kind of help you and prepare you. You can certainly hire guides to go out with you. I've never been a big fan of a guide. Um, I it just, I don't know. I'd rather try and investigate and do it my on my own. But uh, there are outfitters out there that will help those folks that will, you know, provide them. You, you can even get get to an outfitter that provide you a rod, the, the reels, the, the line, the lures, the bait, if you need live bait. Um so they they're out there, but um, yeah, I mean we've 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 been down the road with some really kind of goofy goofy outfitters. Well, we've certainly had some guides that weren't worth the money we spent for them, and the most demeaning experience of being with a guide is when he casts. <laughs> 
hooks the fish, yeah, and then, and he then hands, hands you the rod. Yeah, it's like get away from me, get out of the boat. What? Get out of the boat. Yeah, I I did that with my uh, my five year olds back in the day when I was trying to teach them. But as an adult man, that's that's not very rewarding. No. All right, let's see what else we've got here. Good morning, two ducks on a boat listeners. Dave and I are standing here on the dock. Morning, Dave. Morning, Rusty. We're uh, we're at the Canadian outpost that, that we fished at this year. Seven o'clock in the morning. We're waiting for the boat plane to come in, and uh, this is how we go home. We we stand here and hope the boat plane actually comes in. Remember remember the time it didn't? Yeah, last uh, well, a couple fly-ins ago. They they were late, 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 and one guy shows up in a two-seater and says, uh, yeah, the other guy was supposed to pick you up. He went down in the bush. So we had to wait quite a while to get uh, get all our guys out. But I, it's good weather, little breeze, good sunny morning. Uh, lake's pretty calm, and uh, it, was, it was a good time. We uh, we had some nice uh, nice fish. wasn't volume, but we had some nice fish. So it was uh, it was all good. Yeah, I think so. I think it was a good trip. I'm going to see if I can get a couple comments out of some of the guys that traveled with us. Uh, we're we're wrapping up the trip, Kurt. What do you think? Did you have a good time? I did amazing time. With uh, we we got the two docks on a boat show going here and. Uh, we're just trying to tell people what it's like to stand around and wait for the boat plane. What do you think of the morning out here? How's it look to you? It's pretty crisp. It's pretty crisp, nice, picturesque, some say. Yeah. Pretty nice. You like you like fishing with two docks on a boat? Best. Some somebody say the best podcast out there. Yeah, well we're gonna try to keep this going. We'll get home, we're gonna give a little wrap up. And uh here's uh here's Joey. Joey Doherty. Joey, did you happen to find anything cool while you were here? Just saw a bald eagle fly over there. Just the seagull over there. And we got a couple seagulls. Saw a couple bald eagles. I know you were thinking about petroliths. Did you happen to find any of those? No, nah, we looked for them, but we couldn't find them. Found a nice creek, though. Nice creek. I like that. Well, all right. So we have uh, we have his brother, Tyler. Tyler, what do you think? Uh, fishing was a little slow, so caught some stuff. Overall, good trip. Good trip. And uh, our last uh, last person here is uh, is one of the uh, other uh, patriarchs, uh, Kevin Kevin Doherty, emergency medicine physician. So, uh, Kevin, what do you think? Fun head by all. I thought it was good fishing. We couldn't ask for better weather. Russ found a great lake, great accommodations. Uh, and it was just great company, yeah. And and nobody really got hurt. We didn't oh. have to. We didn't have to break out the the medical kit. No, no, absolutely. In spite of the uh, crash rock that uh, was encountered, yeah, there was a couple low water rocks that we had to avoid. But yeah, good. Yeah, the boys seemed to want to jettison the you know do a little Dukes of Hazard over the uh, over a rock, and uh, that 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 turned out okay. So overall, everything's good. No, no, no. Jacob, no. Jacob, my my son, he he comes out fishing with us. He's kind of a bush man. He looks like a bush man with the beard. But uh, what do you think of the trip? Good, good trip. Super fun. Uh, no toilet. 
Yeah, he didn't like the outhouse thing. Uh, there was a few guys in the trip that didn't particularly care for using the outhouse, but uh, yeah, it, 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 it was okay. All right, well, here's the boat plane. It's coming in. Hopefully it's an otter so all eight of us can get off this uh, this lake. But uh, I don't know. We'll see. So we're signing off for now. Appreciate the the listening. It's uh, that's not an eight-seater. That's an otter. That looks like an otter. It's a De Havilland. They only made those things from like like the 40s to the late 40s or early 50s to the mid 60s. Yeah, De De Havilland. So there he goes. He just flew by. So. Hopefully it'll land, and then... Uh, with all your trips, have you had any issues with the uh, boat plane? Oh, yeah. I, I said that earlier. We talked oh. about plane going down and delaying us getting off. All right. I, I think that lake has an amazing amount of potential for a lot of smallies. Um, so, I, you know, I, I'd like to maybe go back and try it again, but it was... Uh, it, it was a it was a good trip. It was an easy easy way up there on the uh, uh, air travel and the accommodations were good and and uh, the guys who taxied us up to the base camp there were were nice and it was uh, it just went pretty smooth. So I I, I enjoyed it. And I know the I know the boys uh, again boys uh, they they enjoyed it. So uh, yeah, I'd like to do it again. All right. Well, I hope that those of you that are listening to our podcast today um, have uh, some sort of interest in fishing. And if not, maybe we've instilled some interest in fishing. I hope everyone has enjoyed our wrap-up of our fishing trip. Um, We have an email address called info at twodocsonaboat.com. We would like to hear from anyone that has any feedback on what we're doing in in our podcast. We certainly would like to have any suggestions of things you'd like to hear about. Dave, I'm I'm hoping as we look to the fall here and uh, the, the the next season of our podcast, some more special guests. Yeah, I'd like to I'd like to do that. Yeah, we there, there's a couple guys that come to mind. Um, a couple gals come to mind. So uh, yeah, I think that would be good. Yeah, I think we should. Uh, I think we should capitalize on that. I think we had a nice response from uh, our friend Brad Gibson with Twenty One Pilots. Um, we had a nice response from uh, Bill Kelly, one of our colleagues that uh, does what uh, what we do. And uh, I think we're going to pursue more guests for our show. Yeah. Um, and uh, we look forward to any suggestions and thoughts. And I hope this is continuing to be enjoyable. Yeah, and if you have any questions, you know, medical questions, give us an email. We'll try and answer those. Uh, any concerns or anything that you uh, uh, have thoughts about, certainly email us, and we'll we'll send out a response. All right, and uh, with that being said, I think we'll wrap it up for tonight, call it the end of a show, and we will be back as soon as we can possibly get together. Yeah, and uh, listen to Lake Loon because it's very peaceful. Oh, yes. I love the loon. With a little bit of chainsaw. All right. All right. Good night and goodbye. See ya.